The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, this morning, I, I just want to share a couple things that have been on my heart uh, over the past month um, or, or so. So there's a short story I want to tell you. There was a man with his dog, and so he went to this lake. He, he grabbed a stick, threw the stick into the lake. Uh, the dog proceeded to walk on the water, grab the stick, and bring it back. And the guy started to think, wow, like, I must be losing it. I, I'm seeing things. Um, this is incredible. So he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll grab my neighbor, and tomorrow we'll come back and, and, and do the same thing, and I'll have a witness. So sure enough, the next day, he asks his neighbor to come with him. And uh, same lake, grabs a stick, throws a stick into the lake. The dog, same thing, walks out on the water, grabs a stick, brings it back. And so the guy looks at his neighbor and says, hey, did you um, notice anything unusual about my dog? And the neighbor says, yeah, I did. And he said, well, what? And he said, your dog can't swim. I, th- I think there's a lot of people uh, in this world today, some perhaps even here um, this morning, where their understanding of Christianity is actually a misunderstanding of it. Last week I was down in San Diego and um, leading worship at a French church, and it was really great. And afterwards, one of the, one of the services, a, a guy came up to me and, you know, he said, um, oh, it was really good service, really connected. And I was like, thanks. And, and he said, you know, but... Um, this whole idea of being a follower of Christ, it's really like for people that need something to lean on. It's a crutch. And I thought to myself, I said, um, I hope you break your legs. No, I didn't say that. But, but I kind of thought that. And, uh, but I did ask him, I did ask him, hey, you know, if you broke your legs, would you appreciate the use of a wheelchair? Yes. Yes, I would. Okay, if you broke your le- uh, one leg, would you appreciate the use of, of crutches? And he said, well, yeah course I would. And I said, well, I'm a broken person, and so are you. And I am so happy that I can lean on Jesus as he puts me back together again. And, and so when people tell you, hey, oh, Christianity is a crutch, they're absolutely right. It is. It is. Uh, we're broken people. I, I, I would be uh, hard-pressed to find somebody that says they have their life all together. Uh, like I said, I realized that most oftentimes uh, people's understanding of Christianity is actually a misunderstanding of it. You know, when Columbus uh, set off, he didn't know where he was going. He got there. He didn't know where he was. He got back. He didn't know where he had been. And and many, many people have this sense of of confusion um, about life and and about direction. And the essence of Christianity is really to, to know Christ and to make him known. That's it. Everything, no matter what, if you're a pastor or a doctor, electrician, an athlete, a plumber, a musician, everything we do in life is, is really within these two bookends, to know Christ and to make him known. So usually when somebody gets up here to preach, generally three things happen. One is uh, you're reminded of things that you know that maybe you're forgotten. Uh, the other is things are reinforced. Uh, you know, you know it, but they just need to be reinforced. And the third is, hopefully, new things are revealed. And this morning, that's what I want to do uh, with you. I want to remi- uh, uh, tell you a few things that you already know, but remind you of them. I want to reinforce some truths, and, and hopefully, um, 
reveal some new things. So can we pray together? Lord, we thank you so much for this morning and, and these next few minutes. I pray that your spirit would just be undeniable, that we, we would be just so aware of your, your leading and your prompting. So remind us, O oh God, of who we are and you reinforce some of the truths that you've given us and reveal a new grace and new hope, new truths in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible's got 800,000 words. That's a lot of words. So if somebody asked you, hey, what's the Bible about? Have you ever gotten that question? What would you say? What would you say? I've boiled it down to three things, and and, and I think everything else is really um, commentary and, and application to these three things. And it's, it's this uh, forgiveness from the past, new life here today, and a hope for the future. That's it. Forgiveness from the past, new life here today, um, a hope for the future. It's very simple. Believing it and living like it, that you believe it every day is, is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Forgiveness from the past. Let, okay. Um, would you agree with the following statement? There are problems in the world today. Uh, anybody disagree? It's, of course we all agree that there are problems in the world today. I, I find it quite interesting that the people um, who know how to run our country are, are generally driving taxis and cutting hair instead of running... Okay, I'm kidding. Uh, my hairdresser actually never has claimed to run the country. But it's funny. We all seem like we know how to run the country, right? We have the better ideas. I know how to do this. Um, the reality is we don't, right? Uh, and you see a lot of people trying to alleviate the symptoms. Uh, the government's trying to alleviate the symptoms. The social agencies, uh, all kinds of organizations are trying to alleviate the symptoms. And I'm not saying they're not doing good. They are. But if you're only alleviating symptoms, you will always have symptoms. Uh, if, if you start to address the root cause, then you won't have symptoms, Right? There was this mother who said to her husband, hey, darling, I'm, I'm really busy. Can you look after Sydney, their daughter? She said, okay, um, sure. But the problem was he was busy too. He had stuff to do. So he thought, what can I do uh, to sort of keep Sydney occupied while I do my stuff? So he was flipping through a magazine and he thought, oh, okay. He said, Sydney, look, I'm going to cut up this map of the world into pieces. Puts it on the floor and, and muddles it up and says, um, I want you to put it back together. And he thought, oh, okay, that would, that'll take care of her for a while. And, and when you've done, put, finished putting the map together, come and find me. So Sydney, literally a few minutes later, walks back in and says, Daddy, I'm done. And, and he's like, no way, she could have done that. So he walks into the living room, and sure enough, here was the map of the world put perfectly back together. And he said, how did you do that, Sydney? And she said, well, Dad, when, when you were cutting up the map, I looked on the other side. And, and, and there was a, a picture of a man and a woman. And I thought if I could put the man and woman back together again, I could put the world back together again. You see, the, the heart of the human, heart of the problem is, is the human heart. The, the heart is, is really, it's, it's like this heart disease that we tend to have. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Let me illustrate for you a different way. This, this heart thing, you know, the Bible calls it sin. It's, that's what it is. And, and because we have these sinful hearts. So let's say, uh, 
right now, like, you just pass into the next life right now. You just kind of drive. There's an analogy, so you're still here. Um, But you wake up in a theater, and and you're sitting on your own. And and in front of you is this big screen, and then this angel kind of flies in and says, welcome to the theater of judgment. Relax. And, and, and there, and watch the screen. And so there on your screen, you're going to see everything you've ever did, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought. Right? You see it right on the screen. And those are called uh, the sins of commission. After you watch that, then you watch what's called the sins of omission. The things that you should have said, the things that you should have done, the things that you should have thought. And, and so um, after that's done, as you're, you're recovering, um, the angel flies in and says, relax, there's going to be a second showing. All the people featured in the film of your life are right outside. We're going to let them in and, and um, watch this the second time with you. So my question is, what rating would your film be? Would your film be suitable for a family audience? Uh, I wouldn't want a private viewing of my life, let alone a public viewing of my life. I don't need convincing uh, that I've thought and said and, and, and done things that I shouldn't have. Um, and, and, and that there were things that I should have done that I didn't do. And I know for us, it's, you know, what are we like? Okay, that's a great analogy, but what do we do? It's all too often, um, we, we'd rather cover it up than find a cure. It's that Band-Aid kind of mentality. And it's all this stuff that really dis connects us from God, and, and we drift further away from him, and, and, and then we start to wonder, why can't we sense him? Why don't I feel any momentum um, in my life? Uh, it works a bit like an overdraft. I've heard this analogy before, where if you've got an overdraft in the bank, I've got an overdraft. You can't help me. I can't help you. We need somebody in credit, right, to help us. Jesus was the one in credit, and he wrote that check in his blood when he paid it on the cross. So we have forgiveness from the past, but where I really want to spend some time today is the second half of that, where we have new life here today. And the funny thing is, even though we know we need help, uh, that we need some fixing, we, we like to think, I like to think that I can handle it, that I can, I can manage it, I'll, I'll figure it out. And so we start to lean on our own strength instead of God. And, and human strength is, is an interesting thing. It, you know, God has, has given us these, these talents and these abilities. And the funny thing is, the, the better we become, the larger our influences. The larger our influences, the easier it is for us to start to think it's, it's yeah, I've got it. It's because of me this is happening. I'm that good. And, and, and slowly what happens is we start to lean more on us than God. And, and we may have started off with good intentions, but it's sort of this sort of 1% at a time And soon enough, we're not relying on God. We're just doing things on our own. Human strength can actually be a deterrent to trusting in Christ. And, 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 you know, we pray this prayer. I pray this prayer. God, help me. I want to trust you more. Uh, But but you end up relying on your own strength and only your resources and the knowledge. And we assume that we can handle the situation. So basically, we're saying, God, I've got it. I don't don't really, uh, really need you this time. I've noticed this about most of us. We tend to divide problems into two categories. One is problems we certainly need God's help on. God, I need you for this. And then there's problems we think we can manage and handle on our own. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I think you know the scripture. My grace is sufficient for you. Look at the second part. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. As every day passes, I, I realize more and more my need for God every day. Uh, and when I start to think that I can do things on my own, it's really the beginning of my end. I'm no longer doing things to, to God's glory. I'm doing them for me. And in seminary, I read this guy, um, Andrew Murray. Uh, he's a South African pastor, and he wrote a book called A Deeper Christian Life. And if, if, uh, if you're into reading and, and sort of um, learning more, I would really encourage you to check him out. Anyway, there's a passage I want to read for you very quickly here. He says, The first and chief need of our Christian life is fellowship with God. And as I need every moment of fresh the air to breathe, as the sun every moment of fresh sends down its light, so it is only in direct communication with God that my soul can be strong. He goes on uh, and says, uh, The manna of one day was corrupt when the next day came. I must every day have fresh grace from heaven, and I obtain it only in waiting upon God himself. Take time to meet with God. Um, do you know the story of manna? For those of you that have maybe grown up in the church or read the Bible, you know this, but it's about the Israelites in the Old Testament, and they're in the desert, and they're complaining because they're hungry, and they're like, God, give us food. So God says, fine, I will feed you. So he sends manna, right, from heaven. Manna is derived from the word man who, uh, which literally means what is it? They didn't know what it was. So, so God sent manna, and, and he had a set of rules, uh, some specific instructions on, on the manna. He said, gather only what you need for today. I will send you more tomorrow. And what do you think people did? Some, some of them gathered only for t- today. They, they listened. And then others thought in their vast knowledge and wisdom and, and planning, I suppose, oh, I'll take a little extra for tomorrow. And you know what happened the next day, not only was it rotten, it was infested with, with maggots. Um, but I love this analogy. I, I really believe we need God's grace every day. We can't rely on our, our past experiences in our faith, our, the past momentum we've had in our life to carry us forward. And all too often we do, all too often I do. And God really is um, sufficient. He's enough more than enough for us. The source of all life. You know, when we go to him, when I go to him each day, it keeps my life in perspective. And, and you receive new life when you walk with him daily. When we start to operate on our human strength, um, we fail to realize the real reason this is all happening. You, you remember the story of Paul in the New Testament? Now, Paul was this incredible servant of God. I mean, he, he, he raised people from the dead. And, and the story goes, he had an affliction, a thorn in the side is what the Bible talks about. And nobody knows exactly um, what that is, but, but here's Paul who was just used by God so mightily, and yet he had this affliction that God had given him. And before Paul was a follower of Christ, do you know what he was doing? He was a hunter. He hunted Christians. So God wanted to take that and, and say, look, I, I love your drive and your passion. I want to use that. I want to turn it and use it for my glory to know Christ and to make him known. Paul's affliction drew him to his knees every day. There wasn't a moment where he wasn't reminded of God. Are you on your knees every day? It's a very 
uh, submissive posture. There's nothing magical. There's nothing special um, that happens when you're on your knees. But I tell you what it does do. It, it, it focuses your mind and your heart. And you're able to rise above any distractions that may be around you. It, it's so crucial for us to be in prayer. We, we, we can't rely on the past momentum of our faith. When you're with God each day, you experience new, new grace, fresh grace, and new mercies, and new blessings. But it's in prayer. You know, there's this um, pastor with his family um, in the garden, and they were playing on a, like a hot Sunday after, Saturday afternoon. And they're playing with their little kitten. And uh, so the kitten goes up this tree and gets stuck. And they, they can't get the kitten out because of all the branches that are around um, um, the tree. So, so the father, being a pastor, was always full of grand ideas. He says, don't worry, daddy to the rescue. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to get a, my car. And I'll tie the rope around the tree, tie it to the car. I'll drive a little bit, bring the tree down. We'll be able to rescue the kitten. And all the little kids were like, yay, daddy to the rescue, right? They cheered. So uh, daddy got his car. He got the rope. He tied the rope to the tree, and he tied the rope to the car. And he started to drive a little bit slowly. Slowly, the tree's bending, bending. The car is moving. The tree's bending. And then just snap, the rope snaps. And the tree flings the kitten in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. So two weeks later, the pastor is visiting one of his um, attended, one of the parishioners. And, and so he knocks on the door. The lady says, oh, come in, pastor. And as soon as he walks in, in the hallway, he sees his kitten. It's unmistakable. It is definitely his kitten. But he didn't want to just jump to conclusions and say, hey, you have my kitten. So he said, hey, what a lovely kitten you've got there. Have you had her long? And, and, and the mother goes on to say, Pastor, you are not going to believe what happened. It was two weeks ago. We were playing out in our garden, and it was a hot sunny Saturday afternoon, and Annie and I are playing, and, and, and my daughter, Annie, she says, Mommy, please, can we have a kitten? And I said, Absolutely not. We are not going to have a kitten. And she just pestered me, Mommy, please, 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 can we have a kitten? And the only thing I could think of to say was, Annie, look, let's get on our knees and pray right now to the Lord Jesus if God wants you to have a kitten, he will send you a kitten. <laughs> Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> Look, the point is, when we pray, coincidences happen. And, and when we don't, they don't. Repeat that after me. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. Our lives uh, need to be characterized by prayer. It's, it's so important. And, and, and it's so easy to sort of um, forget that or underestimate the power uh, that, we, that we've had, that God has extended to us, that, that we are prayerful, that all we do is birthed in prayer. Because the reality is we don't want to be driven. We, we need to be led. And there's a difference. And for a long time in my life, I felt like driven was where it needed to be. So here's the philosophy I got for you. Pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. I want to read those words for you again from Andrew Murray. The first and chief need of our Christian life is fellowship with God. And as I need every moment of fresh the air to breathe, as the sun every moment of fresh sends down its light, so it is only in direct communication with God that my soul can be strong. When, when we don't interact, 
interact with God on a daily basis, we really start to forget things. It's amazing to me how forgetful I am. We forget who we are. Uh, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget what we're capable of. We forget that we can impact people around us for such a greater good. And, and the, the way, you know, the worries of the world start to weigh in on us and the tasks of our everyday life. And, and then our human strength starts to fail us. And then we start to lose faith. We start to question ourselves. The longer we're away from God, the harder it is to actually come back to him. Have you noticed that? It's like, oh, I've done too much wrong, or I'm not feeling like I'm in the right place right now, or I need to make a couple things right before I come back to God. How ironic. You know, we're sons and daughters of a king. You only need to accept Christ once. That's it, once. So, so, so when you fall down, let him pick you up. We must rely on God's power in our life if we desire to live a life that is full. For God so loved the world, what? He gave his only begotten Son. For whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look, I've got a, um, I got a $20 bill here. I'm, I'm not going to throw it out into the crowd. <laughs> but it's one of those, like, you know, just clean and crisp. It's nice. It's worth 20 bucks, right? Okay, so I'm going to kind of crunch it up here because it was a little too crisp for me. Um, get some creases, get some crunches in there. Nice and creased up. So now I've got a creased up, crunched up $20 bill, right? Has it lost its value? It's still worth 20 bucks. But you know what? It's still clean. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to get some dirt on it on both sides here, just to make sure. So now I've got a dirty, crunched up, creased up, $20 bill. Has it lost its value? No. And no matter how creased up or crunched up or how dirty you may think you are, you've never lost your value in the Lord. Never. And, and, and how do we remember that? It, it's fellowship with God every day on an everyday basis. That's it. Uh, because it's there you experience fresh grace and new mercies. You don't wait for Sunday. You don't wait for some guy up here to tell you something. It's every day, and, and, and when you ask the Spirit of God to live inside of you, uh, uh, things, things start to change. And the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. And as you allow him that, that freedom in your life, it's, it's, it really is amazing what happens. Uh, the Spirit produces what? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are decent qualities, right? For probably a marriage, yeah. For your friends, for co-workers. If, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, then, then some fruit should be showing. How fruity are you? <laughs> you know, you, get, you gain a new heart when you accept Christ into your life. And, and this morning, if you're already a believer, then you don't need a new heart. But, but the problem is with so many people that call themselves believers is we have clogged arteries. And, and maybe it's just that this morning you need your arteries, your arteries need the breath of God to just blow through so you can live and be alive and have a beating heart again. He really is the, the hope for our future, and that's the third part of this. He's more than enough for us. In a world that's so full of hopelessness, there is hope in Jesus. And, and we need to be reminded of this on a daily basis. When we seek God every day, he will meet you. And it is there that you start to understand more fully who you really are. 
in Christ, what your role is on this planet, what your role is in your relationships, and, and for everybody that comes into contact with you, you really start to understand what's going on. He was the bread of life so that bakers could understand, the water of life so that plumbers could understand, the light of the world so that electricians could understand, the cornerstone so that architects could understand, the son of righteousness so that astronomers could understand, the hidden treasure so that bankers could understand, the life so that biologists could understand, the door so that carpenters could understand, the great physicians so nurses and doctors could understand, the good teachers so that educators could understand, the lily of the valley so that florists could understand, the rock of ages so that geologists could understand, the true vine so that viticulturalists could understand, the righteous one so that judges could understand, the pearl of great price so that jewelers could understand. He is wisdom so that philosophers could understand. He's the word so that actors could understand. He's the good shepherd so farmers could understand, the alpha and the omega so scientists could understand. He is the way so traffic and police could understand. He is the truth so that politicians could understand, right? (laughs) Jesus is the one. He is the one. Can we pray together? Lord, we are so grateful for who you are and that we are your sons and daughters. And and I would pray that you would um, empower us, God, that you'd restore our devotion to you. It's so easy for us to forget. You'd bind our hearts to yours, and that we would seek you every day, that we would realize the, the, the incredible power that you've extended to us, the incredible grace and, and, and truth and beauty that you've given us. Give us the perseverance, Lord, to, to seek after you, because it is there, I know, as you've promised, that incredible things happen, and that we live extraordinary lives. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.